Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my host, Beth Popnikolov, and we have a good friend and a celebrity on the show with us today. <laughs> the infamous, the man, the myth, the legend. We have Matt Reisinger in the studio with us. He needs no introduction, but he is the founder of the Build Show Network. He's a builder. He's the OG influencer in our industry and has really great stuff for us to talk about today. And we're going to dive into all of the channels that he's utilizing and get into some conversations about what data says, what he's seeing, and just dive all into it. Matt, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. Totally, Beth and Zach. Glad to be here, y'all. Always fun to podcast. And the topic that you guys get into, I'm always fascinated by. Like when I saw you guys in person, I don't know, in Austin three, four months ago, you both had killer presentations that just felt like they were absolutely right on, spot on for the market. So always good to hang out with you. Looking forward to talking. Well, speaking of which, that's where we want to start because I think it was Beth was talking at the show and you had some shots fired directly at her <laughs> presentation. Oh no, Beth, sorry about that. That's why we brought you here to call you out. No, we're kidding. <laughs> All right. I love it. Let's do it. A little whipping on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. How dare you? So I was sharing about social media and channels that different audiences are utilizing. We were leveraging some data from our building products customer workshop. And you took a couple screenshots and were like, man, this isn't what I was seeing. And I immediately told my team, I was like, I'm so glad that Matt did this because I actually really want to talk about what you see and what we see that sometimes feel anecdotal and contradicts the data from when we survey. So for our listeners, we'll put the screenshots of Matt calling me a liar on Instagram in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, please know that Beth is severely exaggerating. We have this piece of data and it's never totally sat right with us, but data says what data says. And so we talk about it and we unpack it when we share it, but we have this piece of data and we'll include it. And what it says is, you know, what are the social media channels that builders are using? And typically what it says is that Facebook is number one and then followed by YouTube. And Matt pointed out, he was like, man, that's just not what my experience is. In our prep, we were like, man, who really uses Facebook? And I do think a lot of contractors and builders, Matt, you can speak to this, utilize Facebook groups. But as far as like, this is where I go to get business, research products, connect with manufacturers, that feels like a pretty antiquated approach. But I don't want to tell you why you're telling me that that data doesn't feel right. I would love for you to speak to what you see and where you're getting the best traction and how you would respond to that. So here's my background, y'all. I've been a builder for almost 30 years. I'm in my early 50s. About to turn 51. And if you look at my YouTube analytics, I've got about a million subs on YouTube, but obviously that's not a million builders. I suspect it's 40%, let's say, professionals, 60% homeowners that are wanting to build. So I don't have the like occupational stats on YouTube, but they do give me a breakdown of region and male versus female. My audience is like always 97% male, and it's usually plus or minus about minus 15 and plus 10, let's say, of my age. So in other words, I've got 850,000, let's say, men 
following my YouTube channel that are between 35 and 60, which is kind of funny because I hate to throw blanket statements out there, but there's a lot of white men builders, let's be honest. This has tended to be a male-dominated industry in the past. That's absolutely changing. In fact, two of my new contributors are female builders that are crushing it. But if you just look at the overall stats in the industry, it's probably something like 5% female, 95% male. And I don't know that there's any great stats about racial background, not that it really matters. But, you know, you go to an international builder show and it's a pretty white audience, let's be honest. And definitely that's changing. I can think of some fantastic builders and other races, some Hispanic builders, some African-American builders. But when I kind of see those stats, I have for a long time thought of myself as like, well, I'm kind of in the middle of the pack for the average American builder, right? I'm like 50 years old. There's lots of builders that are 10 and 15 years older than me. There's lots that are 15 years younger than me. And so when I make a video, I'm always thinking, well, what would Matt Reisinger 10 years ago want to know on this topic? And I think that's the reason I've been successful on my journey. And so then when I see a stat like yours... That's like, oh, builders are on Facebook. I'm like, that's not my experience. I haven't been on Facebook in any regularity since about 2012 or 13, let's say. And once I got on Instagram, I totally abandoned Facebook and was actually a little perturbed that Facebook bought them. I don't know how many years ago it was because I thought, oh, shoot, they're going to Facebook eyes Instagram. And that kind of hasn't happened. So my experience is that when builders are searching for building products, for information, Certainly, they go to YouTube. And oh, by the way, we all know YouTube is owned by Google. And so video results come up way high on the list. And that's a ton of people in general, people's research. That's where I go to. Like I was on YouTube last night looking to buy a pellet smoker from my backyard. You know, what's the most bomber pellet smoker? And I think I've got it. But is it worth spending the extra thousand dollars for the one I want? I watched, you know, 10 videos about the topic. And then, oh, by the way, I should probably check a blog post or two as well to see if there's any written advice on this. Not once that I go to Facebook. I probably will look at some version of social media like Instagram, for instance. But for the most part, I feel like my age group, builders that are similar to me that are men, plus or minus my age group, they're not on Facebook at all. Are you starting on YouTube for product research or do you start on Google and then you meander into YouTube? What does the journey look like? Probably both depends on the day, but I do probably go to Google first when I'm researching building products or techniques and seeing where the results are. And maybe that's just my search engine because, you know, everybody knows Google's so crazy local and targets you with ads. You know, I, I started looking at smokers and now I've got trigger ads showing up all kinds of weird places <laughs> and Yoder ads. But I think I typically would say at least 70% of the time I'm going right to Google first, especially when it comes to building products. Now for my personal life, I might go to YouTube search first, knowing that I'm looking for a person to tell me about this, if that makes sense. So what's interesting, Matt, is I would agree with you if a manufacturer was coming to me and saying like, hey, where do we go to get more traction with builders. There's not a human in our office that would say like, you know what you need to do? Go hard after Facebook. I think there's a piece where Facebook is like a first to market social media platform. So it's almost like there's a weird synapse happens in your brain where you ask people, what social media do you use? And they're like, oh yeah, Facebook, that is social media. That is social media. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about YouTube. If you're just an average 
person walking around and not in the marketing sales world, you may not think of YouTube as a social media platform. So I think there's a little bit of logic that comes into what we're talking about of, yeah, are people there? Do they know about it? Yes. Is that where they're going when they want to engage with a new product. Zach, you talk a lot about what are those intent channels. And I think that's a really important point that I will now be including in my talk when I talk about that slide from now on of like, hey, this is not your sign to like go invest in your Facebook presence. It's more just a recognition of how people have taken in and absorbed the term social media and move it towards where do you need to be to make actual impact? Let me make one quick point in that, Beth. When you say social media, I generally don't include YouTube on social media in, in my mind. And so I think you're probably right. Those results are probably skewed that way. I think that if you did have a manufacturer that's like, look, I want to get to my builder audience, social media is good to get in front of people and be introduced to something. But no one's going to social media to dig deep and find out like, how do I install this? Is this a good product? Should I use this? Are other builders using this? On the other hand, manufacturers, I think, get freaked out by me or other people that have big YouTube presences like, oh, we could never do a high budget. We can't script it or whatever. And yet I was watching a video last night on my smoker research back to my personal YouTubing that had like 500 views. And it was a terribly produced video, but I liked the guy after watching him for a minute or two. I watched all eight minutes of what he had to say, and I looked at the video later, and I was like, oh, it only had 500 views. Don't get skewed by the view count. I think manufacturers get all their panties in a bunch about, if we don't have 10,000 subs on YouTube, it's not worth it. That's BS. Forget that. And in fact, I talked to a group of builders last night and was telling them about my kind of social media slash YouTube journey. And when I had 2,500 subs on YouTube, I've been doing it for five years. So I went from 08 to 2013, and I had 2,500 subs after five years on YouTube. And yet, when I went into local meetings with builders and architects, they treated me like a celebrity. Like, oh my gosh, Matt, that video of yours about X, Y, and Z, you know, I thought it was interesting how you did that, that. I actually don't like that idea. I think you should do this instead. And, you know, I had 2,500 subs and my videos were getting a hundred and something views, right? This was not by any means any version of big numbers. And yet that was super valuable to me. And then for me as a builder, that was also super valuable because a customer of mine or a prospect of mine would come in and watch four or five of my videos and go, oh, I like this guy. He, he seems like he'd probably be good to work with or he'd be honest. So then when I go into my first meeting with them, we get down to brass tacks about their job. Is this the right fit? rather than what kind of shady contractor are you, which normally I had to deal with for 30 minutes before I got into, you know, what's your build about? They wanted to find out if I was going to screw them over. And I think manufacturers, people that are dealing in build products, they should do the same thing. You should just absolutely make video because people buy from people they like, they want the information, and they honestly don't care as long as the audio is good about the production value. You said something really important, Matt, which is manufacturers and just, I think, larger companies in general. Anytime there's more than just like, I'm the person that can go make it happen. Video is a really daunting piece of media for most organizations and most marketing departments. And I think it's because the early 2000s just did us wrong when it came to what do you need to create a video? And if we could wear like one sandwich sign, it would be just make the video. Use your phone. Your camera phone on your iPhone is better than most camcorders that all of our parents lugged around in the 80s. That thing is primo. Just make the video 
and you watched an eight minute video. I don't know who that person is, but I hope you left them a comment. That's high praise. I should have. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure that I did leave them a comment. I should have. Eight minutes on YouTube. That's a five star review if I ever heard it. Yeah, that's a holy grail, right? Is that long watch time. Because if you're on there for eight minutes, you've decided what they have to say is worth your time. That's a big metric for us. A watch time? Yeah, what's the watch time on the video? Like, did we get over seven minutes of watch time on the video, even if it's a 15-minute video? That's a good video. If you only get three or four minutes of watch time, it's not a good video. And we're averaging like six minutes right now. What's a topic you know if you do a video on, you know you're going to get that seven, eight minute? Like, do you know, oh, if we do a video on this, it's absolutely going to get this. Like, do you know your audience well enough? Framing insulation plumbing. We always joke at the office, we're the framing insulation plumbing channel. <laughs> and if I make a video about any of those topics, it's an instant 100,000 in the first week. It could be any version of anything to do with any of those topics. And we got 100,000 views in a week. I'm pulling it up right now. While I'm pulling it up, we actually had a guy on our show recently named Lori from Cavity Sliders. Oh, I love Lori. He's awesome. And he's been really smart about being the face of the company. Oh, yeah. They're super smart. One thing I was going to say is that he's got you on his homepage. And I think you're talking with Beth a minute about what manufacturers should be doing from a marketing standpoint and from a video standpoint. I'm curious, like, as somebody who is playing that role of an influencer or a guide or somebody who's reviewing a lot of products outside of the fact that they're not producing enough video, what's the big gap in the marketplace that manufacturers need to lean into? based on what you see builders are looking for? Because builders are looking for people like you to say, oh, this product works for me, it works this way, but there might be gaps in content that's needed in the market. If you just use Lori as an example, one thing that they do incredibly well is they've made Lori the face of the company. Do you guys know who David Meerman Scott is? Have you read any of his books? I haven't read any, are they good? He's really good, but he's kind of what got me started on blogging YouTube and he's still presenting at like Tony Robbins all the time. He's got a marketing and PR course. He wrote a book called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon. That's a really, really good book. I highly recommend it. He in the book has this example of, and I can't remember who it was, but in the 90s, Microsoft had this nerdy dude that was making videos for them. And he kind of became the mascot of Microsoft for this period of time. And he was real likable and he was making real nerdy videos. And it kind of stuck with me, that example in the book. And I think of myself sometimes as the Chuck E. Cheese of my company. <laughs> you know, everybody knows me. I'm putting myself out there in the big rat costume and shaking hands and kissing babies. But I'm not out on job sites all day long, right? I have a business partner who's building. I have 17 people in my building company that are all awesome. But they're the real builders. I just play one on TV at this point in my career. But I think every company needs a Chuck E. Cheese. Even if there's some risk that Chucky may leave and you'd have to get a new Chuck E. Cheese. And so Lori has stepped it up as the, I don't know what his title is, North American VP or whatever. And he gets out there and makes content. And whether it gets 20 views or 200 views, he just keeps doing it. And they hired a full-time social media manager who's just pumping it out on a daily basis. And Lori's out there like, hey, Mr. Builder, you know, what'd you think of Cavity Slider? Is this your first time? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was a great deal. I'm going to start using this all the time. And so they're just constantly on a regular basis, maybe not daily, but almost daily, putting something on social media about Cavity Slider. And yes, I'm on their homepage, but they have a ton of content with all kinds of other builders. With Lori, who's not afraid to make a mistake, he doesn't have enough ego that it's got to be perfect. And I always say that Perfection is the enemy of the good when it comes to video. And people want it to be perfect. And it shouldn't be perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. How do you think about virality, Matt? 
you just said, if I do anything about plumbing, electrical insulation, like I'm looking at your video list here on my screen, the top videos I see are, you got one on like Schluter board, one on HVAC, one on hardwood flooring. These are all like 3 million views plus. How do you think about virality? Is that something you think about? You're like, okay, we haven't hit the algo recently. We need to, or are you like, I just want to produce good content. I don't care about it. I think it's stupid. <laughs> you think it's <laughs> if it happens, great, but I could care less. I think it's stupid, right? It isn't it stupid because who cares if some algorithms like, oh, this is a great video. Other dudes your age liked it. You're gonna like it. Who cares? That's dumb. We talk a lot also about like how do you measure virality when your audience is really small? Sometimes we try to talk clients out of going after virality because if we went viral, it probably means it's so interesting that your audience didn't find it interesting. Yeah. Or plus, I mean, you're not going to build a career on one home run and then you go back to being a crappy hitter after that. Who cares? You get one video, big deal. What you need is a consistent message that's out there all the time. And you'd also remember that video lives on forever, especially YouTube video. Like Instagram is gone tomorrow, right? You put an Instagram video up. That's great for the next 24 hours. But tomorrow, no one knows your name anymore. No one cares about you. (laughs) It's gone pretty much. Maybe they're going to go to your homepage and scroll back to some videos, but probably not. I mean, maybe we're going to scroll back to two weeks ago to see what you posted, but no way in heck am I seeing what you posted six months ago on Instagram. On the other hand, if I go to YouTube and I'm looking for information from you, Mr. Manufacturer, who makes something that I heard about, something that I think is interesting, maybe I heard somebody mention it on social, now I go to YouTube and check it out. I'm absolutely going to look at a video that was made three or four years ago. In fact, I did that last night on my smoker research. I looked at two, three, four-year-old videos. Absolutely. And I went to the manufacturer's website and I looked at what is Yoder posted on their smokers. I want to see what Yoder says about it. And then I went to see what these barbecue guys said about it. I think video is, and YouTube in particular, is beautiful because it lives on and it actually produces search results. So when you spend a dollar on video today... That dollar pays for itself in 2023, 24, 25, 26, 27 with dividends. Whereas you put a dollar into Instagram today, you might as well flush it down the toilet. I mean, yes, you need it in some respects. You need some presence. Yes, there's some living, breathing people here at this company. And it's good to get in front of people. But your best dollar to spend is on video. Let's shift gears for a second, Matt. Let's talk about home building, right? This is like a very strange home building market right now. Yeah, look like the real estate market from a macro standpoint, the amount of demand in the market is still strong. There's a lot of conversation around prices decreasing, but I mean, for a lot of markets, they're not really feeling that. No one's selling their home that has a 3% mortgage. And so that's causing a lot of demand from a new home build standpoint, as if there wasn't already a lot of it. You know, let's say you and I were grabbing a drink. Tell me about what you would say about the current market climate for builders and what manufacturers should know about it. That's a great question. I usually think about it from a builder standpoint, but let me see if I can flip that in the manufacturer standpoint. What I'm telling builders today is generally be really cautious about speculative builds because we just don't know what's going to happen on the market and you don't want to be caught with your shorts down. That was my story. If you know any of my story, I built a very expensive spec that I started right before the 2007 recession. I couldn't sell it for multiple years. It almost took me totally down financially. I called that debt Chuck, my employee, I had to pay every month, but, <laughs> but was a terrible employee. I finally fired Chuck in 2015. And I said, look, I'm not going to do specs again. It's too risky for me. 
I was talking to a builder last night at a builder event who has a $10 million spec and a $7 million spec on the ground that he just started. And he's like, you know, I think I'm in a different market. You know, $10 million people, they have money no matter what the market's like. And I think in some respects that's true. But on the other hand, I was still like, man, you're young, dude. I don't know. Do you really want to swing for a home run in a bit of a cautious market? Whereas one of the things that I think took me through the last recession was remodeling. And I remodeled the heck out of houses in 10, 11, 12, 13. And the other thing I did was upsold the heck out of those remodels. And it really paid off. I could tell you three remodels I did during the recession that all started as kitchen remodels and ended up as whole house remodels because they had to grease the skids a little bit. And then once they were there, they're like, well, honey, he's already here. Why don't we do the master bath too? Well, he's already doing the master bath. Why don't we do the upstairs bath too? And you know what? Let's add that sun porch too. And so I did several projects that started at three, four, five hundred thousand and ended up at two million plus because they had the money. It was the recession and I was good at selling. And it wasn't like they didn't want what I was buying, right? They wanted the stuff. And I said, well, here's what it would cost. Do you want to consider this too while my crew's here? And that got me through the recession. So I think from a manufacturer's perspective, yes, I think new construction will actually still do pretty well in the short term future because. If you look at historic rates, 7% is really not that high in the scheme of things. My business partner is 15 years older than me, and he was building houses at 15% interest in the 80s. So he's like, why are people all upset about 7%? This isn't bad at all. This is just higher than 3%. And so I think as long as kind of the overall economy does well, we get through the next election cycle in one piece and can maybe start bringing the country back a little bit politically. We could see a big uptick again in the new builds. But in the meantime, I would say manufacturers need to also remember if things go the opposite way and the economy go down, we should be really geared to stop gearing 100% of our marketing new construction and jump into that remodeling game because people want new windows and doors. People want new siding. People want new kitchens. And those jobs can be very profitable for both manufacturers and contractors, even in a crappy market. I'm going to bring us back to social media. I actually have two questions. First, I want to ask you, you know those three topics that if you guys put a video out on, you're going to get traction. If I'm a manufacturer listening to this, I want to reverse engineer that a little bit and understand what's the why behind those products. Are you seen as the expert? Is it because there's no one creating content about it? Is that a specific market where there's more new installers? Is there higher competition? What's kind of the umbrella that you think drives that? Because I want to bring that information to our manufacturer listeners of, hey, what are these products or categories or topics for you that you could insert into that? This kind of goes back a little bit to your question about going viral in some respects, because I think manufacturers should not look for big numbers as a measure of success for a video. What they should say is, what are the solutions or pain points that my customer has? What do builders need? And let's find videos that that solve that. And one thing that's hugely missing, and it just reminded me this week, because one of my people on my team, I said, hey, I need you to make this mock-up for me. Go to the manufacturer's website, figure out their full install instructions, and let's make sure we're really doing this correctly so that when we make the video, we're not showing something incorrectly. And he said, well, you know, I have a hard time figuring out, like, what roller do I use on this? Like, what's the nap? So then he called the rep, and the rep's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't do that install. And we're like, what? How is this possible? This is a big manufacturer. They have like all these written install specs. They have no video on their website about it whatsoever. 
I would love the nerdy dude on the team or girl on the team, the engineer, the product manager, whomever, to make a quick video that says, hey, here's our install specs. I'm going to give you the video version of it. When I mention this, they're so like, oh, I don't know, legal won't like that. You know, what if we tell them the wrong screw shank diameter or, you know, whatever. Forget legal. This is a marketing deal. <laughs> Maybe put a disclaimer on it that says you need to figure this out yourselves. But here's one way you could do it that works in this specific application. That's the one thing I think, Beth, that I totally buy into on. You said pain points. Those work really well because you're solving pain points and you're bringing solutions. And more importantly, the other thing I heard you say is in most cases, manufacturers have the content ready to be turned into video. That first step is done. Don't overthink it. Don't make seven hacks to build a better home. Just go to your installation guide and be like, hey, here's step one. And here's some great ways to get step one done in a one minute video. It's helpful. It's useful. It solves a problem. That's why those videos work. Yes, hugely. And again, it also brings a face to the company so that people go, oh, I like those people over at XYZ Manufacturer. You know, I saw this person in marketing and I saw this person in engineering and I saw this person on that. It makes you feel like they're real people. As a side note, Huber Engineered Woods, one of my big supporters over the years, they got serious about Instagram a couple years ago. And they also have one or two people that are kind of the face of Instagram. But they put a video out yesterday that I thought was genius. And it's like a 90-second reel on Instagram that's mainly funny. But it was their tech team saying, what's the hardest or the funniest question you've gotten as a tech team member? And it was like four or five different people that I know who they are, but they're not normally in front of the camera. And one guy's like, yeah, some lady called yesterday and said, how do I light your product on fire? And he's like, it's not meant to like light on fire. It's wood. It will catch fire. She's like, well, I poured gas on it and it didn't light very easily. Right. And it's a hilarious exchange between a tech person. And I was laughing out loud. And it's just some nerdy tech guy. I can't remember the guy's name. I've met him in person before. He seems like he would be shy on camera. And yet they just put an iPhone in his face and were like, hey, Jim, you know, what's the funniest thing that you've seen in the last week? And they did that with four or five people. It was awesome. But the best part about it was it humanized them as a manufacturer so that, you know, you know, Tate, this guy, Tate, who's a young, handsome dude who's well-spoken, is always in front of the camera. But now they had five other people from Huber that were in front of the camera, too. And people go, what a cool company. You know, they're willing to put something out there that's both funny, that's relevant. And what did that video take to produce? One person with an iPhone and one person with, you know, an Instagram account and 10 minutes of walking around the office. It was awesome. It reminded me of why their strategy is working so well at Huber on social. And they're in front of their audience almost on a daily basis to remind people, we make great products and we have great people. You should think about us. Matt, man, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and sharing a little about your story. If someone wants to connect with you, if they're not already subscribed or following you, what's the best way for them to do that? Man, if you generally type in The Build Show, you're going to find us. TheBuildShow.com is our shortest URL to get to BuildShowNetwork.com. The Build Show on YouTube, if you type that in, you'll get to us. And on Instagram, I'm posting almost every day at Reisinger Build. And I would like to point out that I am still managing my own Instagram account. So when you direct message, it's going to take a while for me to get back to you, but I will eventually. I try to return every single email and every DM personally. Sometimes I get two weeks behind or so, but... That's always been my strategy has been connecting with other like-minded builders. And our slogan as a company is no better, build better. We're on a mission to change the building world. 
And we're really thankful to have the opportunity to get in your podcast. So thanks for having me, guys. Excellent. Matt, thank you again. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, check us out at venue.com slash podcast to subscribe and get more. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Pop Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.